everybody. I'm here with Robert Phoenix again for our spring forecast. And it's an interesting one because it sounds like we have a lot of retrogrades coming up. So let's go to Robert right away. Robert, good to see you again. Hey, Regina. It's great to see you again. Yeah, good seeing you too, Robert. So, hey, let's dig right into it. It's like, ooh, what do we have? Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto all going into retrograde. But you know, there are some opportunities here. However, I think a lot of people are feeling this incredible kind of tension coming out of this winter. It's just like feeling, a lot of people feeling bruised and isolated. And what was that all about? Well, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, we started off the year with Mars and Aries. And uh, it's a very intense energy to begin the year with. And I thought, well, I actually liked it because um, I think it's an energy that's got a lot of vitality. Uh, that, that that's uh, inherent, but when you go back and look at where the aspect was, it, it was it was square the sun, it was squared Capricornian sun. So there, I believe we started the year with a lot of antipathy, uh, especially at a social level and at a political level. It was like there wasn't any real stop and start between these calendar years. It just seemed to bleed from one year to another. And I talked to a lot of people about that, and that's how they felt. And it very strange. Um, there was a weird time thing happening. January seemed to last forever. It was a very unusual January. And even when we went into February, uh, it, again, it was odd because I kept referencing January for February. And clearly, beyond astrology, there's some you know very odd stuff going on with the Schumann frequency and some of the solar cycles that we're dealing with. And, and you know, that's a whole other conversation. But I think it does influence, you know, what we experience, especially through the astrological lens. Yeah. Now, now that Uranus is back in Taurus again, we're going to be dealing with new levels of instability from really kind of primordial foundational structures in our lives, which is not necessarily bad. Um, but that's going to be a theme that we're going to get to over the course of our talk today, I think. Okay, and we're going to introduce people to an entirely new planet most people have never heard of anyway. I hadn't until you and I talked a couple days ago about this. So we're talking past tense. Just a few days ago, we're talking about March 26th, Mars and Taurus conjunct Algol. Well, That's first of all, right. who's Algol? <laughs> and well, every planet has a characteristic. What's the characteristic of Algol and what did this mean? And is it still influencing us now as of the release of this? So Algol is a fixed star. It's not a planet. And uh, there are the six, what they call royal stars. And Algol is one. Regulus is another. Aldebaran is another. Uh, Sirius is another. So these fixed stars tend to have, at times, interesting influence in sort of um, collective or what we would call... Uh, 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 mundane astrology. Now, they do play a role in an individual's life as well. You know, when, when somebody is connected to one of the fixed stars in a part of their chart, it can almost feel as if there's something destined. Now, the thing with the fixed stars is that they are, when we talk about Western astrology, you know, we can talk about aspects that are theoretically difficult or, or, or hard. And we can look at them and take them apart and analyze them and see that they can be catapults towards growth and evolution. And, and, and they're not these, these sort of harbingers of doom. At least that's how astrology has evolved. In the fixed star pantheon, that doesn't work. There's a reason why they're called fixed stars. They don't move very much. And when they do, it's pretty significant. Regulus actually went from 
29 Leo to zero Virgo a few years ago, and that was a big deal. Uh, so that they're fixed, right? That's the whole nature of it. Algol is known as Satan's head or Medusa's head. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. It's, right. It's a very intense fixed star, and it has to do with violence and beheadings, right? The, the, the word, the word um, uh, decapitate is also connected to the word capo or capto or boss. And so Algol plays this role as kind of the dark boss of the fixed stars. And when it's conjunct uh, Mars and Taurus, the energy can be one that, well, first of all, let's take it from kind of a, a social, like, like a political perspective. Let's say the Mueller report comes out, which it did, right? And people did not get sort of Donald Trump's head on a stick, right? That would have been sort of a, kind of a, a, an algal metaphor. Well, if that doesn't happen, then, then now what's going on? Where you're dealing with an energy that could be akin to like a lynch mob or, you know, so, very intense, powerful energy that wants that, that person or that entity to be, to be severed, right, from its position, to be severed from, from, its, from its own body in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So what we have right now with, with, with the position of algal on Mars is that energy. It's like people want to have some, some kind of, and this has been going on for a long time, and the left and the right both have this version of it, right? The right's version is Hillary Clinton, you know, heads to roll. You know, they want heads to roll. That, that, that is algal conjunct Mars and Taurus. Now, you and I were talking about this also from the perspective of what just happened in Christchurch and happening, this, this event that happened in a mosque. Well, what do we know about Islam? What do we know about how retribution occurs in Islam? Well, it's beheadings, you know? And so is this going to be a theme moving forward with the inception of algal on, on Mars? Now, the thing that people have to understand is that sometimes there can be direct correlations between aspects, right? It can happen. It's like, bang, look at this. Bang, look at this. You can see this a lot during Mercury retrograde. Like I was watching, you know, when the NFL opened the floodgates for free agency. And it's like, oh, this should be fun watching these guys try to sign up you know, these con I can't tell you how many guys like signed contracts and said, I want I don't want to be with this team. There was a lot of rescinding going on during Mercury retrograde. And it was very funny because uh, the New York the New York Jets who signed Le'Veon Bell uh, in one press release says, well, there, there are people inside, you know, this, is, this is a report, there are some people inside the Jets organization who have real concerns about Le'Veon Bell. And then a day later, the Jets come out and say, uh, you know, the Jets front office is aligned and there are no concerns about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. And this yeah. happened consistently with this Mercury retrograde. So we can see these things happen. If we go back to the big solar eclipse, which is in 2017, the Great American Eclipse, which happened at 28 degrees in the sign of Leo. That was just two degrees off of Donald Trump's ascendant and right on his Mars. Now, there wasn't any bullet that was flying towards Trump. There wasn't any flying guillotine, you know, headed in his direction. But for the next two years after that, his ability to be either presidential or personal or whatever you want to fill in the blank with was eclipsed, right? It was eclipsed by a series of ongoing investigations, whether it was with Mueller attacks, you know, this, th that, that eclipse was, I think, a very primary energy to theoretically block or eclipse Trump. Now, 
you could say, well, that's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what side of the equation you're on, right? But, but that's an energy that it didn't happen immediately. But over time, we've seen that his identity, ego, power, individuality have been eclipsed over the last two years. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the series of these next eclipse cycles. So when we get into this fixed star, Algol, the conjunction with Mars and Taurus, uh, are heads going to roll immediately? Will they have, will, will heads roll over the next week, two weeks, three weeks? Keep your eyes on it. Interesting, and probably even longer than that. When we were talking off-camera prepping for this, we are talking maybe even to the summer because these toils and troubles aren't going away. Every day, you're going to get more headlines, uh, clouding, speculating. No one's seen the Mueller report at this point. So no one, no one actually knows what's in it. But it's still, John Dean has jumped in on it. All these people are jumping in that Barr's hiding something. now. So this drama is going to continue playing on. And then it goes to the courts in New York and elsewhere. So this eclipse period you're talking about looks like it's going to go on for a really long time. And you're saying that that has to do with this position of this dark master algal in part. Yeah, well, certainly with Mars. Yeah, I mean, and and it's it's specific because the fixed signs are they're they've got to be you know within about a one to three what uh, the fixed fixed stars one to two degree orb of the planet that they're actually in conjunction with. So um, yeah, we're going to see this I think over the next few weeks. But the whole idea is that if heads haven't rolled with with algal conjunct conjuncting Mars and Taurus then I think we're going to see more Sturm and Drang and this kind of mob frenzy that that demands justice or demands whatever it is that they've invested in for the last year and a half to two years. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you had such a, in the U.S., such a, well, everywhere. I mean, this is going on in other countries as well, but such an incredibly politically charged situation from the inception. There's no way this was going to be a peaceful period for, at least not for the United States. Well, even if Hillary Clinton had been elected, it would not be a peaceful period. No, it was not. It was not destined to be peaceful because I think, I mean, it seems to me that a deeper kind of change is trying to emerge from this. So we had to have this period of time to pass through. And from what I'm seeing in um, the stars, from what you've told me, um, we're right. We're right on track. This is a pretty intense period of time. So let's go to Mars and Gemini, April Fool's Day. More restless energy. You know, like you said, jokes, pranksters, but not necessarily in the most pleasant haha way. Yeah, Mar- Mars and Gemini is a really interesting energy, and you know, we know that Mars is a- activity, action, will, sex, power. It's a masculine principle. And then when you when you marry it with Gemini, which is dual, uh, it, Gemini itself is you know it, it's it's Hermes, it's the trickster, the messenger between the gods. It's hey okay, yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of really interesting kind of connotations with Gemini. And when you blend the two together, you're you're dealing with a really kind of uh, kind of explosive, intense, at times in your face uh, kind of energy. It's very restless. Mars and Gemini as 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 an energy is restless and people that have Mars and Gemini in their charts are always on the move. They're always yeah. moving, always moving, always moving. And they can be very innovative. They can be very creative, but they often don't have a lot of patience for their own innovation and their own creativity. There was a guy that used to coach for the uh, Golden State Warriors by the name of Don Nelson. He was a very interesting character and he had Mars and Gemini. And what he did is he changed basketball. He decided that, well, I got a bunch of little guys on my team. I don't need a bunch of giants. So he instituted what's called the small ball lineup. And so that was the trickster energy 
mm-hmm. that, that Nelson brought to the game. You had these coaches with their Jolly Green Giants, and they had all these little guys running around and doing stuff, and they couldn't keep up with them. So, but but the but he also couldn't he couldn't cement that as a model. He was always tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. So one of the things on on kind of a collective level and on an individual level, of course, it always pays to know where these aspects are in your chart, right? Mm-hmm. You've, if you know where Gemini is in your chart, well, you've got a better handle on this energy, you know, it's and. It's very important to understand. I mean, if you're into this and you're watching this video, you should know your chart to know what I'm ultimately talking about and how it impacts you. Because Regina and I, you and I could talk about this on a global level, but it's always important and helpful on an individual level. On a global level, there can be some very interesting and some sinister and dark kind of sleight of hand with Mars and Gemini. We're, we're dealing with it in a time right now where we've got this this charade, this carnival going on in Venezuela, right? Yeah. So we've got we've got Elliot Abrams, old school regime change artist, you know, war criminal, convicted war criminal, you know, doing the bidding of the United States and what's going on there between yeah. you know this Gemini kind of operation, Guido Maduro, who's bad, who's good, who's backing who, right? That's just one example. You know, war is based on duality or, or theoretically two two separate entities that are in conflict with one another. You know, just before you and I started the the uh, the, uh, the chat today, I was reading a couple of rockets now went from Gaza over into Jerusalem. Well, guess what's going to happen now? You know, can you say retribution, right? So we're leading up to a time with Mars and Gemini where, you know, things may not always be as they seem. That's That's the first thing that you need to really wrap your head around. And the other thing with Mars and Gemini are people are quick to act and judge. So, and we do this, we've gotten into this habit where, God, we, so, we want the truth so badly. And when we get what we think is the truth, man, we want to share it with the rest of the world. We put it on Facebook, we put it on Twitter, we hit sand, we hit sand. And then guess what? A couple days later, we find out, oh, that was bogus, right? Mm-hmm. Or that's fake news, or we were led down this primrose path by people who are programming our consciousness. And, yeah. and, and with this Mars and Gemini, Here's your caveat emptor. Buyer beware. You better make sure that what you're posting or what information you're investing in and have a lot of energy around is accurate. Just remember that. It sounds also like when you were just uh, mentioning Gaza, lobbing something over into Jerusalem, that there's already some of that retribution energy in the air after the decision regarding the Golan Heights, for example, right? This is that—that's very well part of it. One one can clearly clearly make a case. Look, here's the other thing: the people have to understand the business of war is very sophisticated. It's extremely. If people want to stage a war, or or they want to 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 level an area or occupy a certain territory, in many instances, they will be complicit in some level, whether it's the staging of an event or whether it's the baiting of an opponent. Yes. We, we really have to be, it, it, in many instances, it is just not black and white. We exactly. like, like to think along the lines of good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy, right? Because it makes it, it makes us easy for us to check those moral boxes, right? I agree so, with you. I think we have to be really careful because you don't really know what's, especially in that part of the world, you don't absolutely. know who's inciting, who's lobbing what, dressed up like whom. That's all been shown in the past. It's, it's a show exactly. for a larger effect that, you know, none of us really want to be, you know, I think, complicit to anymore. 
Exactly. And I have case in point. You know, one of the big things that came out during this time between you and I talk and talking now is the whole Jussie Smollett thing, right? And, and basically a hate hoax. Wow, geez. Well, what other hate hoaxes have there been? Exactly. And, and, yeah. there, and then just right down the line, people were going blah, 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 with all these different hate hoaxes. And one of the biggest hate hoaxes was a series of bomb threats that were, that were delivered over telephone and over email to a number of synagogues around the country. Mm-hmm. Well, where did those bomb threats come from? They came from Israel. There was a young guy. And, and you can, look, I'm not making this up, okay? Yeah. You, can, you, can, you can look it up. So was he doing it independently? Was he working for somebody? We don't know, but it was a false, it was a false threat. We live at a time now where it's really important to just develop that witness, right? Develop the witness and be really patient and think through things. Because so many of us want to have some kind of outcome. You know, we, we want closure, right? We want closure around the crimes committed against humanity or, right. or whatever. I mean, we could go back to 2009 when, when there was, the, where there was the, uh, the housing crisis. What happened then? Not a damn thing. Those people walked. They don't know where the money went. You know? So there's a lot of angst and consternation that's just been building and building and building and simmering and simmering. And that's why people want the sense of instant justice. We want it now. Yes, and you were talking about that April 1st restless energy, and it doesn't just stop with that. We also have South Node conjunct Pluto April 1st, right? That's right. That's correct. Talk about what's going on there. Well, you know, I place a lot of emphasis in the nodes because they give us a, uh, a real um, kind of map as to where we can put our attention and see where things are moving in a positive sense and then where they're moving away from in a quote-unquote negative sense. So to understand that, the south node, which is the descending, excuse me, planet of the moon, is in the sign of Capricorn. And essentially what that means is that the Capricornian institutions of governments and corporations, some big business in some ways, in, in a negative sense or in a sense where they're vulnerable, their influence over the course of the next year will be waning and it will be questionable. Right, it is like the back door of the system. So that back door right now is in Capricorn, and the front door of the system is in Cancer, which is very, very different. It's much more localized. It has to do with the family. It has to do with nurturing and bonding and caring and loving and growing and sewing and mending. These are all very Cancerian kinds of ideals and features. Those are what what's highlighted. Right. This is the energy, theoretically, where we are moving towards. The, the south node energy is where we're moving away from. Now, you, you put that in conjunction with Pluto, and, you know, this is, this is a big deal. Like, we, have, we haven't seen uh, th- this, this energy in quite a long time. You know, I think the, the last time we probably saw this energy was, you know, during the inception of the United States and the American Revolution. So, and those revolutionary energies are, are pretty obvious right now. Oh, like, we're, we're going it through the... It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're sitting on at all anymore. It's just people want change. They know something's broken and wrong and they want change and they want justice. Right, right. And everybody's got a different version of that. 
everybody has their own version. Yeah. So, um, so with that south node conjuncting Pluto, then what do you expect to see by way of events out of that before we move on to the next aspect? Well, I think it's, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of shaking, especially in the light of this Mueller report. I think there's gonna be a lot of shaking of sticks uh, at the governments, um, probably at Barr, probably at, at, at of course, uh, at Trump. Um, it, more, more of what we saw during the Kavanaugh, run up to Kavanaugh, uh, we're just gonna see more of that, right? And it, we may see a very ugly side of that as well. But here's what's happening. I, th- I think people are getting more, people are getting more shrewd. And, I, and even though we want this immediacy of justice, of, you know, instant karma, we want it now, right? Uh, I think people are kind of waking up and they're, they're starting to look behind the scenes. And I think this has a lot to do with this South Node and Pluto conjunction. That if you look behind the scenes, you can really kind of see the rot, the infestation. Yes that's taking place in the system. And this is kind of the apotheosis of that. So, the, the, and you and I talked about this yesterday, well, what do you do about it, right? And I, can, and I can tell you right now that this system is deconstructing. We, we have reached a point where it is a critical divide and the divide is not gonna be broached or there won't be a bridge anytime soon. We're seeing two countervailing forces essentially go after this kind of locus of control. And and those two countervailing forces may not even be the answer to what we're going through. They right. may, you, yeah. you, you look at it and you think, um, you know, the apparent, what appears to be the, the apparent dichotomy is um, in gross generalizations, people who are feeling uncertain, so they're trying to cling to what's known and familiar in the past and keep institutions in place that have worked for us historically to a degree, one degree or another anyway, um, even though they're not working now. And you have people on the other side saying, hey, let's just blow the whole thing up and get it over with so we can have something new rise from the ashes. And it does seem like it's a, it's quite literally on almost a soul level, a divide between conservatism and progressive or liberal ways of blowing it all up. I mean, on on a really deep psycho-spiritual level, not a political level. I think it's a great point. You know, it's this breakdown between the spirit and the will. And we're trying to understand these these dynamics around responsibility and freedom, right? I mean, that's what, what really what it comes down to. One group, one group says, well, we'll let you be free in these areas, but we're going to have this overarching kind of control mm-hmm. over, over how everything goes down. And that would be on the left side. So there's this illusion of kind of being free, you know, open borders and you get your thousand dollars a month, universal income. And there are all these little goodies that resemble some kind of freedom. But ironically, there will be one superstructure that controls everything. Right. And on the other side, you have a group that says, well, leave me alone. I just want to live my life. You know, I want to have my kids, my family, you know, my land or whatever. So they're, they're actually in some kind of, what I would call passive relationship to freedom. Uh, Meanwhile, the group that's running that kind of entity is also engaged in this kind of very hierarchical superstructural role, right? And and what's really, I think, the big deception here, and and this is where people, I think, get really twisted up, right? 
is that there are really good things from the past that we, we don't have to throw out. There are some good things from the past that are available to us. There are some new ideas which we could embrace, you know, and not every new idea is going to be awful or terrible. And so bringing them together could be really, really interesting, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of dialogue. People aren't willing to have to see either or, right? Yeah. And we, and we can even see this because if you want to be a nationalist or you want to be somebody who's connected to you know, the country, the United States of America, well, now apparently you can only do that when you're linked to the hip with Zionism, right? This is like the new model. And on the other side, well, guess what? You don't have to be linked to Zionism. In fact, there tends to be a large degree of antipathy from the left towards Israel. But on the other hand, you have to embrace socialism. You have to give up your identity as a country. And this is like the mind block. This is what they've got us involved with now. And so people are choosing these signs, and you can't even have a, a relative discussion about this. Yeah, I, I, I watched a little video yesterday that was it was really lovely by Prince EA. Um, you know, he's putting out wonderful little videos on kind of the nature of the struggle of the human heart right now, and especially what young people are yearning for. And that's why I have this great faith. And I'd like to know where in these planets it supports the younger generations to come forward and say, you know, heck with all of this fighting that you people are doing. That's not what we're looking for. We want to create in a brand new way. And the one thing that never pops out in all this is the, are the windows, in fact, I would love for you to tell me where they are, of creativity, genuine social innovation and creativity, because that's what the younger generations and myself included, even though I'm not in that generation, are really yearning for. When do these windows open and some fresh air come in to support innovation and collaboration and caring for one another? Mm, that's a really, that's a really good question. You know, um, I was watching Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice the other night from the movie from the sixties. And one of the things that's, that I got from that movie, there were a lot of things I got from the movie, but one of the things I got from it was that that was a time where this idea of love, whether you believed in it, whether it was a front or a sham, this idea of love was very prevalent during the 60s. Yes. And oh, guess what? It was a really creative time, right? It was a really creative and pretty innovative time, the 1960s. There were a lot of baggage that went along with the 60s as well. There was a lot of darkness there too. But there was also a lot of magic. And I think to your, to your point, I, I think innovation and creativity is synonymous with love. And, and, and how can we have innovation and creativity where, where this, this idea or ideal of love isn't even really supported? And if it is supported... No, it's not even a word we use anymore. No, no. And if it is supported, it's supported in some kind of synthetic way. Like we're supposed to love a certain group because of fill in the blank, right? It's either politically correct or it hits a real deep virtue signal inside of us. That's not real love. You know, that's, that's an approximation of love. It's like a social value that's been, that's been kind of accepted because there's, there's, there's a large kind of consensus that says, well, this is the way it should be, you know, punch the ticket. So I think to, your, to your, the real heart of your question, we're gonna have to go out into the future you know, we're going to have to get out to 2025 and beyond. Because when we get out to 2025 and beyond, that's when the outer planets really shift. You know, we've got Pluto and Aquarius. We have Neptune in Aries. Uh, we have uh, Uranus uh, in uh, Gemini. Uh, then Saturn will be at that time in Aries as well. So it won't be very grounded, though. 
like that time won't be grounded. But on the other side, think of all that air and that dynamism and that fire could be very interesting. So that spark of creativity, I think, probably comes after this phase we're in. This 2019 to 2024 phase is huge. This is like the, I think, kind of fulcrum and pivot, not just the United States, but the entire planet. And we don't know how this thing is going to unfold or get itself sorted out. But the old world that we're living in, or the paradigm we're living in, that's ending. That is ending. And, and, and I think that some of these aspects that we're going to talk about can attest to sort of where we are with this process. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to get you sidetracked on all of that. It's just something right. I had to throw in there. And thank you for giving us a heads up in 2025. <laughs> Meanwhile, get your own house in order. But um, we have so many to go through and, and not that much time. So let's hop through now. We I think we're at Saturn conjunct Pluto for April 5th. And you say this is a precursor to 2020. Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Just briefly tell us what that means. So Saturn is going to get within two degrees of Pluto on April 5th. I think Saturn will be at 20 degrees Capricorn. Mm-hmm. What's that Pluto, mean? Pluto 22. Well, anytime you get these two outer planets together in, in a very close proximity, which is what we're talking about, uh, this, is, this is very deep, powerful, intense changes with hierarchies, hierarchies in terms of businesses and in terms of governments. I'll give you an example. This energy is already happening. You know, what we've seen over the last 10 days to two weeks is the demolition of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Mm-hmm. And the Southern Poverty Law Center became extremely powerful. Along with the Anti-Defamation League, the Southern Poverty Law Center has written a lot of the kind of anti-hate speech and right. stuff, you know, that, that, that has been passed, right? Hate crime. Anyway, they, they're crumbling because their leadership was found to be morally deficient. They've got a sex scandal going on. And not only that, but people have realized that, that what they're, they've been running is a fear scam, a giant fear scam. This is a Saturn and Pluto potentiality, right? This is what we're looking at. These, these institutions that have this rot at their core are going to be found out. It's going to be brought to the light. We're going to see this stuff, and it's, it's going to be unprecedented. And what are people going to do with it at that point? And how can it be resolved? Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center is going to implode on its own accord. But who else is doing things that are similar to the Southern Poverty Law Center, right? There are other groups and other entities that, that basically piggyback and promote hate and division. So this is yeah. what's going to happen. Yes, that's, my, that's my sense. And we, as we look at this on all these different aspects, it seems to have the same thing in common. Lots of revelations, reconciliation of deeds done in the past. And, and from what I'm understanding, you were saying a few minutes ago, we're talking about a period over the next five or six years, constant revelations, constant pulling back of the veils. And that's not just on these large political uh, and socioeconomic scales. This is personally, this is the time in our lives when we have to get real. And nobody, everyone wants to hear about where Venus is and where we have windows to open for love and creativity. I love that stuff. Yeah, I'm a junkie for it. But the reality is, it sounds like that is not what the cosmos is asking of us right now. So let's go to Jupiter retrograde. And that's April 11th. And again, you say backlash, things like this again, you know, coming around, reconciliation of the past. Yeah, it's been really, really interesting to watch 
again, I keep coming back to this, sort of this, the advance of truth and then the, the shutting down mm-hmm. of, of truth. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, there, uh, there's been a top-down decision that web portals such as YouTube or Amazon and Facebook are going to deplatform or delegitimize or in some places dematerialize information around vaccines. I know this is scary. This is very, very disappointing. Right. So this has been an executive decision that's come down, in my estimation, through the corporations, through the CDC yes. and their connections with the these entities that you know have become these titanic sort of portals of information. And this really happened quickly with Amazon. Now, I had heard that Adam Shift was involved. I don't know that for sure. But, but what happened was is that Amazon just overnight took off every single anti-vaccine documentary with the exception of one, okay? Mm-hmm. And I believe they began to take away uh, some, of the, some of the material as well. Just days after that, Facebook redefined what kind of information could be shared with vaccinations or anti-vaccinations. So this is where we're getting to this truth piece and we're seeing getting, I'm going to bring it all together here, that south node that's on Pluto, the Saturn conjunct Pluto. These are these structures that are panicking. They want to shut stuff down. You know, they, they don't want people sharing information. They don't want people sharing videos. You know, and they've, they've allowed this economy, they've allowed this share of information for a while, and now they want to shut it down. It's like it's a limited hang. But what's happening with this Jupiter retrograde is it's going to be very interesting because we may begin to see how there are things like memos or emails that will come to light because it's going backwards and we're looking backwards towards some kind of bigger revelation. As far as people go, as far as the individual goes, and I think you brought up a really, really good point. You know, what would happen if you were to suddenly exit the planet tomorrow, right? Where would you be? How would you feel about yourself? How would you feel about your soul? You know, what are the things that you could be proud of? Or what are the things that are unfinished in your experience? You know, this is not a time to delay. I'm telling you right now, this is a time for people to get right with who they are and to get right with their version of their creator, okay? Because these are the times that we're living in. They're very, very fast. Things are accelerating to a high degree. And and I don't think we get any hall passes anymore. You know, that's a Yeah, we just don't. Yeah. And, And there's a level of maturity there, right? I mean, so, I mean, let's just throw it out there. Let's say you and your family have gotten into squabbles over Trump or not Trump or whatever. And it's created a great wedge and a great divide between you and your family. Well, what would happen tomorrow if that family member left or you left? There would be a lot of unfinished business, a lot. Now, some of these gaps may not be bridgeable, and that's just the way life is sometimes, right? But I would say if you can, if you can at least get to a place where you can make peace with that, even if the other person can't or won't, that's something I would advocate because we're dealing with very spiritual energies with, with Pisces, Neptune and Pisces, Jupiter and Sagittarius. You know, I've often said that the two most religious and spiritual signs are Sagittarius and Pisces. One is esoteric, the other is exoteric. One is orthodox, the other is more mystical. And right now, there's this collision happening between the two. 
and it's a creative collision, but I think it really should get people to wrap their heads around what their relationship with their soul is like. I think that's very well put. I mean, there's no better way to use, I think, the challenging times than to really take it down as deep as you can internally. All this we're talking about is more global and external, but that all it applies uh, on our uh, in our own path as well. So I, I'm really happy that we talked about that. Let's talk about uh, Mercury, Mercury in retrograde. Nobody particularly enjoys Mercury in retrograde. It moves out of the shadow. It uh, looks like uh, into Aries on April 18th. And you said the pre-retrograde period for this Mercury in retrograde is one of the worst you've ever seen. How so? Well, I mean, just in my own, my own life, I, started, I, I usually don't feel Mercury retrograde until it really starts to get some momentum. Yeah. And, and the shadow period of Mercury retrograde happens um, at the, the, the degree of Mercury where it goes retrograde. So, for instance, we look at where... It was like a 29 Aquarius. That would have been the shadow of Mercury retrograde because that's the degree where we, excuse me, we move into that shadow period. So that's, that's about a three week, three and a half week period. And then it goes, and it goes into retrograde. And, and the ramp up, I, it was like, it was a full on Mercury retrograde one week into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been, I've been dealing with it in a very, even now, just you know, juggling flight stuff and travel plans and, you know, my mother, the Pisces, broke her hip on Saturday and, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to deal with her. I'm so just on a personal side. Now it's moving forward. And and guess what? It, it's Mercury went retrograde at 29 degrees Pisces. That's the last degree of the Zodiac. Okay. It goes into the new, the new cycle, the new astrological year at zero Aries. So there's a lot of like, like, there's a lot that comes into that 29th degree. The entire astrological year you know, is part of that moment in time. So I think this is not just in terms of Mercury, but also in terms of like, for us personally, but on a cultural level, there's this history that we're going to have to deal with, right? Whatever these things that have been buried, whatever these things that have been lost, whatever these things that have been stuffed away, we're going to have to deal with them on a collective level and even in your own life. Like, again, what have you, what haven't you... That 29th degree is anoretic. It's all about finishing and completing, right? Finishing and completing. What what do you need to finish? What do you need to complete? What makes you theoretically balanced and whole? Now, it goes direct on the 29th of of March. So there's that 29th degree again. Right. Shadow period is three weeks out again when it goes back to 29 degrees where it all started. So we're doing 29, 29, 29. Those are 11s. Very high vibration. You know, 11 is the number of revelation, inspiration and revelation, times three, 33, very powerful number, right? We go into 33, but it's a very powerful, this is a very powerful direct moment as it goes into Aries. It's like, okay, we've had six weeks longer, almost, almost nine weeks, right? Of this retrograde cycle. And hopefully during this, these nine weeks, you've been able to clean some things up. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that is the perfect opportunity because it'll force you to whether you want to or not. Again, this letting go, letting go of what's not working. But maybe that's where the breath of fresh air comes. That window opening is when it does go into Aries and we start anew in a new cycle. Aries has a lot of energy to it. Oh, it does. Once we've let go, that's where you can really start giving birth to the new. And you say that's, um, what, the 29th? It's, well, it goes direct on the 29th, and, and, then, and, and then on the 29th, 
of April yeah. is, is when it moves out of Pisces. So it'll be the 30th of April when it moves into Aries. Yes. Okay. Let go and then take a deep breath and start giving birth to the intention for the new. And I just, I just have to say this, yeah. this equinox energy here in the Northern hemisphere was fantastic. It was, it was really great. There was a lot of aliveness. We had that big fat super moon in beautiful Libra. And if that's any indication of the energy that's coming with Mercury and Aries, it'll be great. It'll be great. Okay. So then there's another uh, another aspect that folds over this and reinforces it, and that is Mercury-Venus-Chiron conjunction in Aries on the 18th of April, chance to reconcile and let go again. So we're getting a lot of letting go energy, reconciliation, which opens the door for the new. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we're dealing with communication and relationships, combination of the masculine and the feminine, because we're dealing with Venus, Aries, and the masculine or the sign of uh, the, the masculine sign and then Chiron about vulnerability and being able to take risks in order to communicate to people in your life. You know, you, you know, it, that's a, that's an energy where if you were, have been in a relationship and you need to leave a relationship, there's your window right there. Okay. If you're in a relationship and you're feeling stagnant and you need more out of the relationship, and you're afraid to, to risk that conversation for fill in the blank, whatever, that's your day. That's your energy right there. Yeah. So I, I think it could be very useful and very helpful. And the other thing with that is that I think we can also look at how we internalize things and we see ourselves as victims because Aries is not a sign that, that uh, celebrates victimization. Okay. And so when we get into that, we can, that, that Chiron piece we can see where, well, maybe, just maybe, I need to lay my ego down here and kind of listen to what this person has to say. Instead of being aggressive and countering with an argument so that I can defend my own position and thus support my ego and not really have a meaningful exchange. It's all part of this aspect coming up on a global level. I mean, I think we're dealing with things like conflict, maybe conflict resolution. We'll see. I don't have a lot of yeah. hope and faith in the world to have conflict resolution. But clearly I think we might be able to, we might be looking at some, some, some very highly conflicted energy during that time. Okay. Pluto's back up again. Uh, besides Saturn to injunction, uh, we have Pluto Capricorn retrograde starting April 25th. And you say this goes on for six months and this starts kind of dipping into the financial institutions and money scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like in, it really comes out more in October um, than it will during the early parts of the retrograde. And, you know, you know, we've been struggling theoretically, you know, with money and passing bills and signing off. And you know, the bottom line is the country's bankrupt. There's no way the country can ever pay back its debt. And that includes the rest of the planet. The rest of the yeah. planet is completely in debt to, to the bankers who have loaned all this fiat money out, right? But I think you and I talked about this yesterday and I think it's a real canary in the coal mine um, kind of six-month period. On Saturday, I was at a, at a sushi bar. I was talking with somebody from Walmart, 30-year employee at Walmart. And she told me that they're laying people off right and left. They're being replaced by robots. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not concerned about that, if you think, well, good, we, you know, we don't need Walmarts, well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But think about all the jobs that Walmart produces. And the people that actually work there that actually buy goods based on whatever it is 
they're 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 making right. And in many places where they've actually stopped creating things, Walmart has become a huge employer. Right. If, if you look at the map of the United States and who employs what where, well, you just look at the middle of the United States. It is consistently Walmart. It's the biggest employer in the state of Texas. Wow. So we so can we move to you know more of a, a kind of a mom and poppy you know more of a brick and mortar kind of reality? I sure would like that. But in the meantime, we're seeing this is going to be the Pluto retrograde. We're seeing the death of these major corporations and institutions as they try to transform themselves with this new technology that nobody apparently can resist coming online. Yeah. Okay. Now, right on the heels of that, we have Saturn Corp and and Saturn and Capricorn going retrograde on the 30th. The other one was the 25th. And on the 30th, that has to do with institutional structures and backlashes against institutions, as you told me when we were prepping for this. So this is like a double whammy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really in it now with Saturn and Capricorn and Pluto and Capricorn. And one of the things that was really, one of the things that really jumps out when we look at the last time Saturn was in Capricorn was that the entire map of the world was redrawn. You know, that's when the former Soviet Union fell. You know, that's when the United States began to go into, you know, the Middle East and Gulf War One. It was a huge time of these sort of these global boundaries being redrawn. We're seeing that again, but it's it's a bit different now. You know, we might see some of these countries begin to change and more of what's going on in uh, in Venezuela. You know, what might be happening in Syria. There's still some of that, but now the the real countries are corporations, right. and 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 that's the map that's being redrawn. That is the map of globalization. It's not Uzbekistan. It's not the United States of America. It's not Ecuador, it's Nike, it's Amazon, it's Bechtel, right? So the, what we're seeing now is this redrawing of this political map, and it's a corporate political map. When you're, when you're talking about fines for transgressions from corporations in the tens of millions of dollars, that was, what, that was more what a deficit was running in governments just a couple decades ago, right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're, so what we're seeing now is we're seeing this, again, institutional, you know, rever- reverse. We're, we're seeing a different kind of redistricting of the geopolitical map. Yeah. And, and again, the retrograde cycles can be very interesting because we can observe things from the past. We can also observe things from a place where these entities retreat or they're going through some form of restructuring or reordering, you might see CEOs stepping down. You mm-hmm. know, I would, I would not be surprised if you see some very powerful people having to, you know, walk away from their gigs because of either corruption. You know, I think we've seen a little bit of that, what took place down in Florida with the sting operation and with Bob Kraft and, yeah. and uh, John, what's his name, the guy who used to run Citicorp. I think we're going to see more of that. I think the Saturn retrograde is part of it. And again, from a personal or individual level, what does that mean for you, right? How can you get regain some personal authority and autonomy? That's the nature of Saturn and Capricorn. You know, you are theoretically your own CEO, right? How can you get better at that? How can you make choices that support that? Where do you have to cut in your life? You have to cut certain expenses. You have to cut certain people out. 
that's another Saturn retrograde aspect where if you bring it inside and really own it, I think it can be very beneficial. Okay. <clears throat> now we're moving on to Mars-Jupiter opposition. This Now we're getting into early May, May 6th. We're talking about wild and rebellious energy. You know, I, I, I kind of like this opposition in some ways because in the midst of kind of this turgidity and, and a lot of this debate, which I think will continue to be amplified, especially with Mars and Gemini, at the very least, it's an energy that's alive, right? You're dealing with fire, you're dealing with air, big ideas versus practical application. You know, like the Ocasio's Green New Deal. I mean, that is like a Jupiter and Sagittarius, let's swing for the fences kind of a thing, right? Well, really how practical is it? That's where the Mars piece comes in. And, and I think we're going to see a bit more of this. But I also feel like it's one of those aspects where it can convey a sense of confidence and bravado, even if it's like limited, temporary, or false. And it may not necessarily be a, a bad thing, right? Like if so if you need to fake it until you make it, this Mars-Jupiter opposition could be actually pretty good for you, right? So May, early May, if you got a big vision, you got some big energy supporting it, kind of go for it. That's the time to push. That's, That's right. Because the mutable T-square in the middle of June that follows that sounds like we're headed for the crazy house. No, uh, yes, we've got <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, sun and gem we have sun in uh, Gemini, right? Is that right? Mars in Gemini. Jupiter in Pisces, Sun in Gemini, Jupiter in Sagittarius. Sagittarius, that's right. So that's a T-square. That's a tight T-square of mutable energy. So mutable energy tends to be pretty erratic. And I think that's a time of nervous energy. But it's also when things can get shaken up. That's like the shaking, the shaking of the tree energy. And it's also, you know, mutable energy tends to be very editable. Like you can edit a lot with it. Um, so you, there's a lot of course correction energy that's going on there, right? There's, you can do a lot of course correcting. And at the same time, you know, you're dealing with three very specific kinds of like entities, right? So when we get into, again, Gemini, it's the trickster, it's the messenger, you know, it's very playful, it's dual. We get into Sagittarius. Sagittarius can be very judge-like, you know? I mean, there's, there's a sense with Sagittarius that there's piety, really big piety. Righteousness, self-righteousness. You know, the kind of like, you know, the hardcore version of Sagittarius is like, you know, Yahweh in the desert, right? That's like the big judgmental Sagittarius. Then we bring Neptune in and this kind of, you know, spiritual sort of catch-all that, that Neptune and Pisces has brought to the party. And I think belief systems are going to get really shaken up during that time too. And, and people's own belief systems might be shaken up. Like things that you thought you believed in and were true, you may have to revisit those things, and it may not be a bad idea. Okay, we're on to Mars-Pluto opposition, middle of June. Um, they said this happens every two years. Mars is in Cancer, Pluto and Capricorn still. This happens every two years, and this is not a fun one. This is like a real examination of what is life anyway, kind of life and death matters, you said? Yeah, I think so, because you know, Mars, Mars and Cancer, that's, it's, it, Mars is always about where we invest our energy. And in cancer, it's around, again, all those things that I talked about with, you know, the true node, which is, you know, nurturing and bonding and growing and very organic and motherly and maternal. So it's an energy with Mars and cancer can be very defensive. 
you know, it's very protective in the things that it loves and cares about. So when we have Pluto in opposition to Mars, to me, that's pretty explosive, particularly since, you know, one of the things we, we dealt with right out of the gate with this south node in Capricorn Trudeau in Cancer was this late-term after-birth abortion thing, right? I think that's going to come up again. That's going to be part of the Mars-Pluto opposition, and that debate's going to get hot and heavy, and, and I think people are going to be very invested in protecting these cancerian kinds of entities. Women's rights also will be kind of a hot topic during that Mars-Pluto opposition, but it also sets us up for the, the eclipse that's happening. I think it's a, a full-on solar eclipse happening in South America on the 2nd of July. So that energy really gets us into the eclipse season, and I think you want to keep your eye on on specifically on Venezuela during that eclipse and, and leading up to that eclipse. Yeah, that's Quite a bit of theater right now. So essentially, Robert, as we go through this, it sounds like it's just in summary that this period of time over the spring is going to be a time that's really forcing us and asking us to let go of the things that aren't working anymore on the very broad scale and also on an individual scale. And that's never a bad thing, even if it's a really uncomfortable thing, right? Oh, I, I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. And, and people think that I mean, I, I think we, we, we value and judge growth in terms of these big chunks of quantum positivity in our lives, and those moments can happen, but we also have to understand that the paradigm that we're living in is essentially inverting and collapsing and deconstructing. And so we can have those positive kinds of, of moments and positive growth, but I think they're going to be much more internal in a lot of ways. And, you know, really gauged on the quality of the individual's relationship with their soul, how we treat one another, and, and our character, what we bring forth in the world every day. This is because we're, we're in a stage where of maturation, theoretically, right? Right. Theoretically. And we need to be, begin to, uh, to activate some of these principles. That's where the growth is. It's not always sexy, but it's there. Springtime, it's accelerated. This is an accelerated period. And we have a window of energy coming in to help us if we have some kind of big vision going. And as always, it's like pulling back. We've been talking about the curtain, the veil, pulling it back and seeing more of what is not working, Um, revealing the things that have simply broken down structurally from the inside and are now showing it on the outside. And that's a good thing, too. Absolutely. (laughs) So any, any final words to kind of... We, we get the seriousness of it. Um, this is not a party period, and Saturn and Pluto are not party boys. <laughs> we get that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us by way of kind of a, an inspirational, personal empowerment um, end of this message? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess so. I mean, I, I think that Mars energy in, in Gemini can be fun, right? It can be fun. You know, I mean, Gemini is really into like games and curiosities in diversions, you know, so if you want to like pick up a new hobby or, or play or, you know, sharpen your brain, I mean, I, I think that that energy is there and yeah. you know, that, that can be at the very least enjoyable, right? It can be, it can be enjoyable. Um, but, but I would say by, by and large that the real gains are going to be again, internal. Yes. They're, they're, they're all going to be about what, what you can uncover about yourself that is really eternal, right? 
you know, we tend to think of like our time here on this planet. We're here now. We're doing this now. We'd like to be here one year and two years, three years. You know, we're dealing in a story that's wrapped in eternity. We move on from this place at some point, right? So everything that you do now is connected to this never-ending story that you're a part of. So understand that and begin to see the long-term value in some of the changes that we're talking about. It may not always be sexy, may be a little bit difficult, but you're, you're actually contributing to, to, the, to the connection to who you are on a very deep, profound, and sacred level. Don't ever forget that. I agree with you. And not only that, uh, that's where some compassion and kindness kicks in. We're all going through this together. This is a tough period of history. And I think if we can just, you know, first of all, we have to really get cut ourselves a little bit of slack in this process of deep investigation, but we need to do that for each other. I think this whole going into battle with one another, even if the energy is calling for that, if we could just step back and breathe in to a little bit of a state of compassion for ourselves and other, we can move through this, I think, more gracefully. And it gives us then the safety to dig deeper in ourselves. You know, I, I agree with you. And, and I think that compassion is tempered by respect. Yes. And, and the more respect we have for ourselves, the greater compassion we can have for other people. If we don't respect ourselves, that compassion becomes meaningless. It doesn't have any value. So I agree with you, Robert. That's yeah. very well put. Well, on that note, thank you. I think everybody's, you know, kind of <laughs> batting down the hatches, get ready to dig deep. Um, but we're still in that phase. But the nice thing is 2025, things open up, may, may, may be ungrounded, but that's when kind of the new, the new structures, the new building starts coming again. And so I think it's important that we talked about the fact that we need to have a long-term view of this. There isn't just relief around the corner. We have some digging to do. Absolutely. Yep. Robert, thank you so much. And as always, people can join you at your site, robertphoenix.com. Thanks a lot, Regina. And until next time, everybody, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.